Perhaps we can let go of our obsession with a really polished Sunday morning service, this、uh, worship service that has become the center of church life. And perhaps we can move toward administrating the kingdom of God, being a group that administrates the will of a government. Hello, friends, and welcome, or welcome back. In this episode, I'd like us to consider a question, and that is what did Jesus have in mind when he used the word church? The word church appears only twice in all four gospel accounts one in Matthew 16 18, and again in Matthew 18 17. And in Matthew 16 18, he says, And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And when we read the Bible today, one of the most counterproductive things we can do is to take our understanding of certain words and concepts and read them back into the text and assume that that was the understanding that Jesus had or that the authors had at the time when these things were recorded. So, for example, In, in this particular instance, we're talking about the word church. And the Merriam Webster definition of church is a building for public and especially Christian worship. And so that is most definitely not what Jesus had in mind when he said, Upon this rock, I will build my church. He's not talking about building a building. But because This is、uh, the first time that Jesus uses this word. For us, it just kind of shows up. It says, On this rock I will build my church. And then he uses it a few chapters later. Matthew records Jesus as saying, If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. And he's talking about, you know,、uh, confronting your brother and bringing your brother back to repentance. And kind of the reconciliation process when someone has sinned against you. So, Jesus, we have these two instances of Jesus being recorded as using the word church. And so, what did Jesus have in mind when he used this word? When Jesus' followers heard him say the word church, what came into their mind? Did they picture a building with stained glass and a steeple? Or was it something else? And of course, It was something else, right? They weren't thinking about a building with stained glass. Jesus didn't make this word up. It didn't come out of a vacuum. The word that we translate church comes from the Greek word ekklesia. And in the Greek, ekklesia was defined as a political assembly of citizens. So you can see this in other places in the Bible. And there are some great online tools for really digging into the Greek. But、uh, the one I like is blueletterbible.org. And if we look up the word ecclesia or we look up the word church in the Blue Letter Bible, it gives us all the instances and it can take us to the Greek and the Strong's number G1577. And it shows us all the times that this word ecclesia was used 
in the Bible. And what's really interesting is there are instances where this word is used and it can help us understand what Christ had in mind when he talked about the ecclesia. So look with me at Acts chapter 19. And in Acts 19, what's happening is Paul has come to Ephesus and he's preaching the gospel and some people get really upset because they are are um, the silversmiths who make the idols that people worship. And so they're really threatened by Paul, and they're afraid that they're going to lose their business, and they're not going to have a way of making a living if people stop buying idols. And so there's this big riot in the city, and everyone is protesting. And now let's look at verse 32. It says, Now some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they had come together. So there's this huge protest and some people don't even know why they're there. They're just, it's kind of chaos and everyone's just yelling out different things. But what I want you to notice is this word assembly. And remember what I had just said before that in the Greek, the ecclesia was a political assembly of the citizens. It was people who had come together to conduct government business. And so it talks about the assembly in that verse, and that is the same word that in other places of the Bible is translated church. It's that Greek word, ekklesia. And now look down in the same chapter, Acts 19, verse 39. And this is um, someone who's come out to address this big protest, and he's saying, but if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly. So basically, this uh, authority figure comes out and he says, if you have a problem with these people, you need to settle it in the assembly, in the political body, in the court system, not here in this riots, kind of this chaotic fashion. But again, in verse 39, when he says, settle it in the regular assembly, that word assembly is that same word ecclesia and is talking about a political assembly of citizens who come together to decide and to administrate the business of the government. So when Jesus uses this word ecclesia and his first followers are hearing him talk about, hey, I'm going to build my ecclesia on this rock the confession that Jesus is the Christ, that is the rock that the assembly of God is built upon. He's, these people do not have in mind a structure of buildings and, you know, religious services. They are thinking government. They're thinking political parties. Jesus is saying, my polity, my political party is going to be built on the rock of the confession that I am the Christ, that Peter was the first to make. You are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus says, on this rock, I'm going to build my assembly, my people. And so the church, in the mind of Jesus, in the mind of his first followers, was the ones that Jesus was calling out to be his assembly, his political party, his group. So you might have the Republican Party and the Democratic Party and the Communist Party, but Jesus has the Jesus Party, and they were coming together, they were being called out to enforce the will of the government of God, also known as the kingdom of God. Wherever Jesus reigns, wherever the king has his dominion, the kingdom of Jesus. Jesus said, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, the kingdom of God has come among you. So remember, the kingdom of God is not heaven. The kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is reigning as king. It's wherever Jesus has 
dominion. When people yield their hearts to the Lord, he, the kingdom of God comes upon them and the kingdom of God begins to work in their hearts and then it can begin to work righteousness, making things right, flowing out of them as they are led by the Spirit of God. And that's what Jesus had in mind when he talked about his church. And so it's really uh, critical that as a church, we get our minds in line with the mind of Christ and the way that he is thinking about his church. We really need to let go of our obsession with the Sunday morning service and with singing songs and that that is the truest expression of church. You know, the other euphemism that the Bible uses for the church is the body of Christ, that we are the representative body of Jesus, that we exist on the earth expressing the life and the reign of Jesus, doing the things that Jesus did, representing the kingdom of God to humanity and representing humanity to God in heaven and intercession. And this is the function of the church. First Peter says it like this in chapter 2, verse 9, he says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so we are the people of God called out to be the priest of God. And you know, it's really interesting because that was the desire of God when he first formed his people Israel. He said that I'm going to make you a kingdom of priests in Exodus chapter 19. But because of the weakness of humanity's flesh, because flesh had been corrupted by sin, the people could not keep the law. The, the law became a, a guardian and, but it also became, Paul calls it, a ministry of death, that the law highlighted the brokenness and the wickedness and the sinfulness of human flesh. And so what God wanted for Israel is not manifested until the new covenant where Israel is expanded to include Gentiles and Gentiles become part of the ecclesia, part of the people of God. Here's another really interesting use of the word ecclesia in the New Testament. Look at Acts chapter 7, verse 38, and this will really stick out if I read it in the King James. So I'm going to read it in the King James. It says, this is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. So it's talking about Moses being out in the wilderness. He says that was in the church in the wilderness. So God's assembly was, this is talking about in the wilderness at Mount Sinai. So the church did not begin in the New Testament. The assembly of God was Israel, and they were supposed to be God's representative to the other nations throughout the Old Covenant. But the weakness of the Old Covenant was the brokenness of man's flesh. There was nothing wrong with the law, Paul said. The law was good. The problem was the the sinfulness of our flesh so that we couldn't keep the law. 
But Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 3, says this, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So in the new covenant, Christ became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Christ fulfilled the law for us so that now everybody, anyone who's willing, can be included in Israel, in the ecclesia, the assembly of the called out ones of God, and that we might all become priests. And so we get the idea of the priesthood of the believers, that every member of Christ's church is supposed to be a minister and is supposed to represent the government of God. Our purpose and our duty as Christians is not simply to come together once a week and sing some songs and listen to a message. Our purpose as the church of God is to administrate the kingdom of God, the reign of God, the resources of God in the world to represent God to the world, to show the world this is what the kingdom of God is like. Do you want to come into covenant with this good king, with this good God? Do you want to become part of this covenant relationship and have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? We're not just a social club. We're not just a group that uh, comes together to sing some songs. We're an administrative assembly that administrates the kingdom of of God. The church is the hope for the world because we are the representatives of Christ. We have all of the resources to solve all of the world's problems. Look at this amazing verse in John chapter 20. Beginning in verse 21, it says, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So the church has been uh, empowered by Jesus to take the message of the gospel, the message of forgiveness of sins, the message of reconciliation with God, the message of the nearness of the kingdom of God, and to take it to the world. Just as God the Father sent Jesus to us, Jesus sends us to the world to represent his government, to represent his goodness, his kindness, his generosity, his love to the world. We go into the world and we administrate the kingdom of God. We administrate righteousness that is making them, making things right, making things the way God wants them to be. And that does not happen through violence. The church is not to be like the kingdoms of this world who compel men to obey them through violence. You have to obey the laws of the country you live in or they will put you in jail. They use violence to bring about the uh, submission to their laws. But God is the complete opposite. God does not compel people through violence, but through love. And the kingdom of God works by love, and the righteousness of God works by love. He does not bring about this um, compulsion that you must obey him through violence, but through the love of God. It's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance, and it's the love of God that transforms people's hearts and desires. It causes us to desire righteousness, to desire Jesus to reign over us, to desire 
the reign of Jesus to be manifested in every area of our life, we realize God is so good and so wonderful and so kind. Yes, I want to do things his way. I want him to be in charge of me because when he's in charge, everything is just better. And so we want the kingdom of God. We want the reign of God. And as the church, that's the hope that we offer to the world. As we talked about on the podcast last week, if we want to overcome racism, the only solution for overcoming racism and bringing about true reconciliation among different ethnicities is the reign of Jesus in human hearts. It's the reign of Jesus transforming human hearts that we choose to love each other and we choose to consider others better than ourselves. And so I just want you to consider, what did Jesus have in mind when he thought about his church? What does Jesus have in mind today when he thinks about his church? Perhaps we can let go of our obsession with a really polished Sunday morning service, this uh, worship service that has become the center of church life. And perhaps we can move toward administrating the kingdom of God, being a group that administrates the will of a government, being a political body, if you will, not in the sense of being involved in the politics of this world, but being a political body in the sense that we execute the will of our king, that we are like a senate given administrative directions from our king, and we come and we use God's resources to do God's will for God's glory, and that the church becomes an administrative body administrating the resources of God for the glory of God. And we're not just a group of people that gets together and sing songs. As much as I love singing songs, anyone who knows me knows that I've spent a lot of time, a lot of effort into planning and leading singing services and worshiping through song, and I think that's wonderful. I think that's important. I think that's a wonderful part of church life. But I really think that Sunday morning service is meant to be the cherry on top and not the uh, ice cream, if you will. The, the real core of what the church is to be about is administrating the kingdom of God for the glory of God. And uh, singing songs and having teaching is wonderful, but really let us come together as the body of Christ and administrate the kingdom of God. And I believe that that begins in prayer learning what God's will is, and also in obedience, going and doing what God says to do. So I hope you'll consider these things. I hope you'll be prayerful about them, and I hope that they will affect the type of church that you choose to be involved in or that you choose to lead as you uh, follow God's will for your life. God bless you. <music>